everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and getting outdoors as much as possible. Why? Well, because I want you, one, to follow along with my journey, because I've found that as people who are consistently successful go through their lives, they apply all four of those aspects in some form or fashion into their lives. And I want that for you. I want you to have a happier, more successful life, healthier, just living life as much as you can and enjoying it. So that's why I'm here. Uh, Today, I have an awesome guest for you. Today is the Saturday sit down, whatever you want to call the edition, but basically the conversation that I share with you. And I have an awesome guest, a guy who has helped shape the direction of my life in the last couple years, especially. Uh, Dan from Elk Shape. Uh, you may know him as Dan the Fitness Man, but he's an awesome dude. Loves, is very passionate about elk hunting, but also loves his family. That's something that he doesn't necessarily put out there on social media a ton. You get enough glimpses of it to know that it's private to him. He loves his family. He loves his wife. He absolutely adores his children and wants to make the best life possible for them. But a close second to his family is elk hunting. And when he's not with his family and when he's not studying the scriptures and being a man of faith, he is consumed by his passion for elk hunting. So definitely want to listen to this one, guys. Um, he's got, he dropped some great nuggets on how to balance as much as you can, the scales of family life, elk hunting, fitness, all the things that go on to be the best man possible. Before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by a couple of different partners, and they are just amazing companies. I won't let you guys know about them if I don't think that they're amazing. So first and foremost, of course, alpenfuel.com. Go stock up on your backpacking fuel. Uh, you definitely don't want to tear your gut up in the backcountry, and Alpenfuel will take care of you. There you can get everything from the best granola to if you're looking more for meals, you can get Heather's Choice and Peak Refuel as well. And uh, they have a couple of other brands, but those are my top three. Alpenfuel makes the best granola around, guys. If you're looking for a CBD chewable, Absolute Aid. Definitely go check out AbsoluteAid.com. They have a couple different formulas uh, that you will want to check out. Just depends on what you're needing it for. Go do your research. It's clean, great company, uh, THC-free. Just get the benefits of the CBD. Of course, uh, First Form is another company that I work with. Very closely, amazing company if you're in the market for supplements of any kind, everything from a multivitamin up to a protein source, uh, go check out First Form. And of course, Kafaru makes the best backpacks on the market. The duplex light frame is what I carry the weight with whenever I use the either the hoodlum or the hellbender. Um, my buddy's got the 44 mag and loves it. Just depends on what you're using it for. For me, my EDC bag is the Shape Charge, so definitely go check those out. Um, They just went live uh, on their site with some more OD Green or Ranger Green Shape Charges, so go check those out. And, of course, guys, of course, uh, if you're looking to not carry your bow around while you're doing 3D archery, you want to hook it to your your, uh, strap, your shoulder strap, go check out the Bow Hitch. Um, They make an amazing product as well. And there's some other great companies as well. Leave all the links down below. Don't want to leave anyone out. And last but not least, Black Ovis. I've recently started working with Black Ovis. They make 
amazing gear themselves, but they also are kind of the go-to for uh, if you're looking for anything from boots to archery gear to rifle gear to optics, go check out blackovis.com and uh, use the link down below. Let them know I sent you. Okay, now that I've shared the amazing partners that we work with, um, let's get into this podcast, guys. You're going to love it. Dan is an awesome dude. Really, he he is. He's He's good to the core, amazing individual. You're going to love this conversation. I really enjoyed having it with him. And without further ado, here's Dan from Elk Shape. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoor Podcast. And here I've got Dan, the fitness man, or Elk Shape, as a lot more people know you now. Um, I remember checking into your site and your uh, YouTube when you had, I think it was 10,000 or less subscribers. And now you've blown up to, what, 60, 70, something like that. Um, but anyway, so Elk Shape, Dan here, uh, is super passionate about, obviously, elk hunting and fitness. He's got a family. And uh, there's so many things that I'm going to delve into here and ask Dan about. But Dan, uh, give us a little brief introduction of yourself. Who are you kind of in a nutshell um, for those that may not know you? Yeah, no, um, appreciate coming on your podcast, man. Um, I remember you talking about doing it and now you're doing it. And I like people that do what they said they're going to do. So good job. I uh, just an elk hunter with a, you know, kind of an addiction to elk hunting and uh, just try to figure out how to pay bills so that I can go elk hunting and uh, keep a happy wife and a happy life and a small little young family here in Spokane, Washington. And um, I like eat, breathe and live elk hunting um, and everything else is just kind of like distractions besides family and faith. It's, it's elk hunting. I hear you, man. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're so passionate about it. And there's a couple of things that really stood out to me because there's a lot of, you know, content creators, if you want to call them that uh, out there that are just, they're trying to sell you stuff. And so when I got into, and just for everyone out there listening, I, I, I met Dan, or at least, you know, got introduced to his content, just looking for something that was real when I was getting into archery back at the end of 2019, 2020 timeframe, when the world was going crazy. And, uh, and I really liked how Dan always talked about and how, how you always talk about, man, just the idea of family, making sure your family's taken care of, um, always tinkering. I love the gear side of things. Uh, but the, the main thing that always stood out to me was, and kind of made you stand apart uh, compared to other people is just that you always talked about not leaving your family stranded. Uh, you want to set it up so that, you know, you're paying the bills. You're not leaving. You know, you want to leave for 30 days to go elk hunting. And uh, you do some crazy, awesome hunts, but not leaving your family stranded, you know, and, and making sure that they're taken care of. I love that aspect. Um, tell me a little bit more about, you know, how do you happen to, I mean, how do you do that? How do you balance your passion for hunting? Obviously fitness goes along there, but how do you balance that with family? And you've got two kids that you've mentioned a couple of times kind of drive you crazy, which I don't blame you. I've got kids too. So balancing your passion and your family obligations is something that I don't have figured out. I wouldn't want to sit here and act like I can shed some light on something that's really pretty murky waters. But I will tell you, I have learned some valuable lessons along the way. Um, My wife is not really a hunter. She has bow hunted. She has killed with a bow. I think that was early on in our marriage when, you know, 
we had time and, you know, it, it's not a priority to her, but it's a way to spend time. But um, now that we've had kids for the last seven years, uh, the, the reality is she just could give two craps about hunting. Uh, she understands hunting is something that's very important to me. And she respects that just like I understand that, you know, home improvement, that type of stuff, like, is very important to her. She's very much a project carpenter oriented individual, which is rare for a lady, but that's my lady. And I understand her passion. So that's like first and foremost, a mutual uh, understanding of each other's passions outside of work and uh, other thing obligations is to knowing that from there, obviously I'm a little bit and probably more outspoken, a little more passionate about elk hunting than your average guy. So I don't think my advice applies to the average guy. I don't think people hunt as much as I do, think about it as much as I do. And I could be wrong, and I hope I am, but I'm I'm a rare duck. I'm wired differently. I've had enough people tell me that I'm weird to understand that I'm weird. I'm not normal. But if you take my level of passion for elk hunting and you compare it to her level for home and garden, they're not the same. And, but it's still not fair for me to get to spend more time on my passion, my hobbies than she gets to. And I didn't always understand that. And the kids really shined a spotlight on holes in my game. And the main hole was lack of communication of what my thoughts, intentions, and plans are, which is unbelievable. But I, I did that. Um, and then also, a lot of fights over things that I do away from elk hunting that still come back to elk hunting. For example, I liked to go watch bulls in March to see where they're at. So I know where to pick up their sheds. I like to go shed hunting in March and April to pick up the sheds. And then May, I like to hunt bears to save elk calves. And then June and July, I like to scout, put out as many trail cameras as possible and get boots on the ground where I'm going hunting. And then maybe spend a little time with her in August um, and then go elk hunt for 35 days straight. So do you see what I'm saying? Like I was a little uh, off balanced and there's a lot of fights there. And I realized, you know, if you want to stay married, something's going to have to give. And for me, I had to give up. And it's not really give up. It's just probably put on ice because I do think I'll start shed hunting with the kids again. I have taken them a few times, uh, but like shed hunting's got to go. Uh, scouting all over the West, it's got to go. Bear hunting, can't do it for a whole month. Got to do it for like bits and pieces. Um, planning family vacations and camping trips and planning those before I even make hunting plans has got to start happening. When I draw a tag, when I buy a tag, go upstairs, write it on the calendar right away, even though I know she's going to raise an eyebrow and we're going to have a, an intense conversation about that. Uh, these are all the things that I have learned and that I've started doing and that I've shared on my podcast because I feel like, you know, I'm not young anymore. I'm 40. So I've made a lot of mistakes and I try to share those with my listeners. And so that's all I can really say is it's a two way street. And, um, it does help that, you know, elk hunting is a part of my business, but that business goes away. I'm still a diehard, passionate 
over-the-counter public land style elk hunter who's going to elk hunt as much as possible. I haven't missed a season, knock on wood, in 21 years, and my seasons aren't weekends. My seasons are September, and I don't want to change that. So in order to do this, I got to really have a team at home, and I got to be a team player. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love those, those little tidbits in there that you, you know, they're golden nuggets. And I understand that you are like a lot of people still figuring out marriage, right. As far as balancing uh, your time. And, and, but it's, I feel like it's always evolving. Just like you were saying, you're finding out passions uh, that your wife has and putting time into that. I think that's key, even for the weekend warrior, um, because, you know, like what you were saying, some people may not be wired like you, but they do want to take their free weekends or their PTO that they do have available. And they want to put that into hunting. They're going to get the same look that maybe you get when you tell your wife, you want to be hunting bear and elk and shed hunting and all these other things too. And so um, I think that's, that's super key. And I'm sure you had a plan in your mind about how, you know, where you were going to hunt, uh, where you're going to be. Cause you talk about that a lot at elk shape camps, always making those plans. Um, but it's kind of hard sometimes to communicate that uh, with your significant other, but also if you want to stay married, it kind of needs to happen. So I, I do love that. And I love that about the brand is it, it it's very key to the, the elk shape camp experience. And that's one of the main things that I pulled away from the first year that I went, um, I came back and talked to my wife and say, you know, I really like Dan and I like his message because this and her eyes just kind of lit up. And I think that most spouses um, would appreciate that message because it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, tipping the scales the way that you put it. I love that. You'll never be 100% balanced at zero um, because then you won't accomplish anything. But you tip the scales like what you say. And, and I love that. I really do. Um, so talk to talk to us a little bit more about this passion for elk hunting. I, I've heard your story personally. Uh, quite a few times, but I, I want other people to hear it too. Uh, how, why elk, why not mule deer? Why not mountain goats? Why not sheep? Um, you know, what, where did it all start with elk for you? All right. Well, for me, uh, mule deer don't bugle. I need to kill two and a half mule deer to equal one elk as far as the freezer contents go. Um, Elk are just, there's something about that time of year. I like being in the mountains in September versus November. I am skinny. I hate being cold. I get cold easily. <clears throat> I'd rather be hot and sweaty, but not like August, hot and sweaty chasing antelope. But like September, we're like, <clears throat> it could snow. It could rain. It could be 90 degrees. Uh, elk are vocal animals. The, um, they're just something about them and how aggressive they can be. They can fight to the death, literally, for brooding rights. Uh, they live in incredible landscapes, and where they live, they drag me to, and I see places I would never, ever have any other business being just because I'm elk hunting there, so I love that. Um, I love elk meat. I'm, a, I'm an elk meat connoisseur. Uh, I eat elk almost every day, if not every day, I'm on this planet and I have for a couple decades now and getting an elk in the freezer is always my number one priority. And I've just liked the fact that, um, for me, and this is everything I'm saying is for me, I'm not talking about anyone else. I have to work my ass off year round on a bunch of different things in order to consistently have success on public land 
on blue collar style hunts where it's just, you know, dog eat dog comp competition. And we're hunting the same elk as the guy down the street. And um, who put in more work? It's a pure raw test of, I think, your hunting ability, uh, your mental prowess, your your ability to deal with disappointment, because there's a lot more of that. Um, there's a lot more bitter, very little sweet. And when it is sweet, it is the best sweet. And I love walking up to an elk that I finally killed um, because I know how much work I put in from the time the season closed the year prior leading up to that point. And I try to bottle that feeling up as much as possible because uh, it's super special. And um, man, these elk are one of the animals that I've found that just, they don't want to die. They're really smart. And um, physically, they just can cover more country than most animals. And uh, they have a lot of things going for them, including their smell, their sight, their hearing, their instincts to live. I'm not the only one trying to kill them. Mountain lions don't take days off. Wolves don't take days off. Bears don't take days off when they're calving. And so these animals know how to survive and thrive. And I like taking the fight to their backyard on their home turf. And so at the end of the day, every season comes to an end. And then my slate gets wiped completely clean. It doesn't matter how much success I've had in the past. That all goes away. And we start back at the bottom of the mountain and we start climbing all over again. Yep. No, exactly. That's, and that, again, that's just such a unique perspective. You know, you're, you're not one of those people that's like, okay, well, you know, this, maybe I'm unsuccessful this year, maybe not like you, that's your one main goal every single year. And you stress that um, throughout all of the content that you put out in the camps that you, that you do, but you know, it's very, I mean, it's extremely believable. You can see everything that you do that you put into um, getting an elk down at least one, if not multiple every single year. And you don't do it for, you don't do it for the likes. You don't do it for the subscriptions. Um, you know, you genuinely want to put good content out there for people uh, like me that, you know, have that adult onset hunter syndrome um, where I didn't grow up hunting. And I wanted to get into archery and didn't really know, didn't have good resources necessarily. I had a good pro shop over here, but um, it's always helpful to do your own research before that. And so, uh, you know, you're able to reach out and touch quite a few people um, through the various methods that you put out your content. And so uh, the idea that your passion is so genuine and it's genuine in every single, uh, you know, every single video, every single picture, every single workout that you put out there. Um, I, I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of people do as well. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's a great perspective. You know, I, I've kind of said the same thing jokingly, um, in the few years that I have gone out and hunted elk, uh, that, you know, mule deer don't bugle back. Um, turkeys are about as close as you can get to an animal that'll talk back to you. And that's not even close. Um, right. I can't imagine how many turkeys you need to, you need to kill to fill the freezer like an elk does. Um, but the first time, you know, I had a really good mentor and, and I walked up on an elk. Uh, it's just nothing like it. Like mule deer are awesome. They're cool animals. They live in some great places. But um, elk is just, uh, you know, having this 700 pound animal walk through the woods where you're over there crunching everything that you step on. And we're like a third of their size and they can walk through the, with these big swords on their heads and, you know, three times our size and not make a sound that blows me away. 
Um, <laughs> it just blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. But, you know, there's, I mean, you can't even put it into words, really. I think you did a really good job. But even, even then, there's something intangible that you just try and bottle up anytime you walk up on an elk or you just have an experience with an elk. Um, it's just, it's different. It hits different. Um, so as far as, you know, elk hunting is concerned, you obviously went to archery for those. I think you already answered the question as to why you love having those close encounters. You love hunting in September. You don't want to be cold. Um, but you know, rolling into when the slate gets wiped clean, even though you've been successful in multiple States that year, you know, the season's over, uh, you start again, day one after elk season, um, you, you're pretty passionate about fitness. And I know you've mentioned before that it kind of started in, uh, you know, in your younger years, you just wanted to look good, which I think most people that's where they start. Um, but how did that evolve into, you know, you wanting to be the best hunter possible and you realize that that's something that, you know, that's imperative, uh, up there in the mountains that makes you stand out versus other people. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I kind of see where you're going with that. So I think the best way to answer that is, uh, maybe give a little background on my fitness journey, which started at age about 12. I got a, a Costco type weight set for my basement. Um, started doing stupid stuff on there, not knowing what I was doing, but trying to get some muscles bigger. Right. You know, uh, but at the age of 14, I, I, uh, I started really hitting it hard that summer leading up to eighth grade. And I had a mentor and that was vital. And he actually was like pretty cool guy. He was like, Hey man, let me actually show you how to train muscles and why and I'll give you, you know, literature to read, not just magazines and, uh, start understanding how, you know, the human body works and really what kind of like, it's actually providing the stress. That's what training is. And then you have to provide resources so your body can recover, regenerate, renew, restore, and get gains, if you will. And that summer I packed on 20 pounds of muscle. And I got to tell you, when you go from seventh to eighth grade, and your mom's five foot and your dad's five eleven, and you're never going to be taller than five foot six, three quarter. Uh, that's 20 pounds of muscle bolstered my self-esteem, gave me confidence going into football. Sure as heck gave me confidence into wrestling and baseball. And I never left that, that, that mentality of like, I can put in the work when they're not, and I'm going to have an advantage. Plus, I, my confidence is higher. I feel better about myself. And um, that's all really important for, you know, a newbie teenager, in my opinion. So that passion ignited at 14 to the point where I was a certified, whatever that means, personal trainer outside of high school to where I could work. I could quit my job stocking shelves at Costco at 3 a.m. my first semester of college and immediately got hired at a gym and they basically said, okay, you're, yeah, you're a trainer, go get clients. And that's a whole nother rabbit hole of like, okay, who's this 18 year old kid and, and how is he going to get clients? Well, I was very passionate about this and I easily ended up being the most successful personal trainer there out of 12 trainers that were twice my age. They watched a little snot nosed 18 year old, get a bunch of clients 
break sales records and have uh, a very fruitful business. Then I became a manager of personal trainers for several years, kind of showing them the blueprint to get clients, to retain clients. It's a people business. It's not a fitness business. Then I got the idea that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach, take it to another level. And then I wanted to pursue my master's in exercise phys. And I wanted to travel the U.S. interning for college, uh, working with professional athletes. And I did that. And I was all dialed to pursue the career of being a strength and conditioning coach, specifically football. You kind of have to start at a collegiate level, probably a small NAIA or a, you know, a smaller college, work your way through the ranks, and then you'll get your shot at the pros. And I was pretty much built the resume for that. But during that story, I just told you, I became an elk hunter. Age 20, I shot my first bull with a rifle. Age 21, I picked up a bow and started bow hunting in September. And that's all she wrote. Like that changed me so much that it actually made me decide a different career path because collegiate and professional football strength and conditioning coaches are on the sidelines. They are in the gym all fall. There is no time off, especially in season. And I decided that I didn't want to be a strength and conditioning coach anymore. Uh, And so I had to pivot and that led to me owning my own gyms and et cetera, et cetera. But all that is to say is in my early days, I thought it would be cool to make my muscle bellies as round as possible. Hypertrophy. I wanted to look jacked, get more clients because I looked the way people wanted to look. And I know that sounds shallow, but that's what sells. Somewhere along the line, probably of some of my graduate internships, I discovered the art of performance. And I understood then, thankfully, that aesthetics don't kill elk. Aesthetics don't drive performance. The size of a muscle belly does not determine its strength. And I really dove deep in my graduate studies on human performance. That was my emphasis. And that's when my training personally changed. So I stopped doing hypertrophy rep ranges and rest periods. I stopped breaking up my body part training and I went to total body functional workouts immediately. And I noticed the difference in the mountains. I wasn't packing. I used to weigh not that anyone cares, but to, to tell you like the differences, I used to walk around at 185, probably 12% body fat. I bet I'm 159, 160 at under 10 year round. And I dip into the 140s after elk season. And that's just because I'm starving myself, not on purpose and chasing bugles. Um, so my training's gone from, you know, aesthetic driven to performance driven. And that's all because of elk hunting. That's crazy. Then, and that's an awesome story. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, the idea of training and, and why they train. Um, a lot of people know how to go in a, a gym and, and lift weights, um, but not necessarily put their body through the stresses needed to, to make change. Um, I mean, I, you know, I've personally learned more about mobility probably in the last year um, than in my entire life so far. And, you know, it's not very long life. I just barely turned 30, but uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. The little changes, like what you were saying, going from what was working for you, obviously it was working, but changing your goal to being a better elk hunter, to be a better predator, basically 
in the mountains um, wasn't to be the biggest predator out there. You weren't trying to be the, the silverback gorilla anymore. You know, you were actually trying to be more stealthy, more like almost like mountain lion wolf, you know, where you're, you're able to move through the mountains a little bit better and not be so worn out because you are packing on uh, whether it's 20 pounds of muscle or 20 pounds of fat. Yeah. The muscle is going to help you move through the mountains maybe, but it's still 20 more pounds that you're packing around on the mountains. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you were able to cut that out and, and you still, I mean, being below 10% body fat and, and being at 160, I mean, that's a significant, that's, a, that's still a lot of muscle for the frame that you, that you have. And so, you know, you've, you've just dialed it in and I, I guarantee you, you walk up to most people, they wouldn't think you're 40. You know, you, you figure something out to is maybe it's just the bugle juice. Maybe that's the, uh, <laughs> maybe that's, that's the, the key, the, baby. That's the key, right? <laughs> it keeps you young. That's awesome, man. Um, well, I, I love that. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought it was cool finding out that you have a master's in, um, uh, in, in, sorry, I'm going to mess up the words. Kinesi- it's not kinesiology. Um, no, I mean, kinesiology is like a general vague term for like right. study of hum- of movement. Um, my undergrad was exercise science. Mm-hmm. Um, so you definitely take like a lot of biochemistry, you get right. a little bit of nutrition, you get, you know, the kinematics, you get to study kinesiology. But um, my graduate was exercise physiology, which That's is right. really like study of cellular adaptations, what's going on at the cellular level with training. And then, um, my emphasis was human performance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're all vaguely, I'll tell you anyone listening, it's not a good idea to do in my opinion, to get a degree and then to get a master's degree in the same thing. Uh, looking back, I should have got a master's in business because that's really what I needed. Uh, instead I signed up for the school of hard knocks. I opened my own gym and learned the long, hard road with my own money. And so, yeah, either way, I can't take it back, but yeah, that's the degrees. Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, masters of physiology and and then human performance. That's, that's awesome. You know, and that just goes back to your passion for, you know, you found the way to, to study more of what you're passionate about. And I bet if they had an elk degree, you'd probably have that by now. (laughs) Yes. I definitely would sign up for classes. That's for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we've talked, we've, we've hit on the uh, main things as far as like, you know, family fitness, uh, your passion for elk hunting. I want to know a little bit more um, about just getting outside, kind of rotating back to family. You mentioned camping trips and I've seen some things that you guys do outside. Um, you, you take your kids out shooting the bows. How are some ways that you incorporate when you're focused on family? Because again, you're a very focused individual. I notice it. And it's funny because again, just being at camps, being in person with you, seeing you so focused on whether it be e-scouting or whoever's speaking, you're like dialed in. So I can only imagine that it's the same when you turn off, you know, Dan elk shape. Yes. I'm sure it's still running in the back of your head, but um, turning on to dad mode, you know, or, or father husband mode, what are some ways that you incorporate outside and fitness? You kind of mentioned uh, shed hunting, but with your family, how do you get them outside and get them passionate about being outdoors? Like you're passionate about being outdoors. Yeah. I don't know how to make them do anything really. They're, you know, it seems like they're wired to be who they are, but I, I do want to expose them to as many things as possible. So from like a parenting standpoint, definitely don't take any of my advice because I'm still trying to figure out that and parenting's hard, yeah. but um, 
we have kids five and seven. My daughter's the oldest. My son's the youngest. And I can tell you, like, we we understand as a family that, you know, now that both kids are in school, once they're out, that's our time to kind of really make or break the year. Uh, we live in the Northwest. It's not warm in the winters. We haven't really got back into snow skiing. I did that for 20 years. Uh, we don't snowmobile. We winter kind of sucks for us right now. We need to figure out, we need to get our, we need to get that figured out. Uh, but so once the kids get out of school, we pretty much hit the ground running hard and it's how many, it's like an AMRAP, as many reps as possible, making memories as a family. And so I would say January hit and I sat down with my wife and I was like, okay, last year we went to Mexico as a family during COVID. That was not fun, but it was fun. And what do you want to do this year? We're a very delayed gratification based family. That's on me. That's my leadership. And so we're not going to buy trips to Cancun every year. Okay. That's just not how we roll. Uh, we can maybe do every other year or every third year as a family, like, and I know Mexico is not that expensive, but I personally don't even like going, but they do. So I do the, the point of that is I sat down and said, all right, here's our budget. Like, do you want to plan a special trip? And so in January we booked, uh, as soon as the kids get out of school, we're hopping on a plane, heading South, we're going to fly into Vegas, rent a car, and we're going to go play in Southern Utah which I happen to be very fond of. They've never, no one in my family but me has seen Zion, Bryce. Uh, so we're gonna go kick it to St. George, get an Airbnb, make sure you have a pool for the kids because that's probably all they care about. Um, I even flew in my mom for three days so she could watch the kids while I can go take my wife out on some one-on-one -on -one time. That just checks a lot of boxes. We're gonna make a lot of memories. And then we booked uh, our camping trips already in january we did that so we like we Sorry, actually do you, like do you mind if i pause you there real quick I, I think that's a nugget that a lot of people overlook don't just plan the trip for the family if you can i think that's awesome idea bringing your your mom in but have some sort of babysitting the men need to set up the babysitting don't just be like hey i want to take you on a date and then leave the work to your wife right i think that's awesome i just want to pause that and kind of highlight that i think i think that's a that's a great idea Anyway, well, to piggyback continue. off that, to prove your point, somewhere before my kids were both in school, I still had to like figure out childcare for when I went hunting all of September. And I did not put that on my wife's shoulders. I went out and interviewed nannies. And guys, I don't have like this crazy budget to pay for a nanny. Like that's not us. Like I don't have a butler. I don't have a house cleaner. Uh, so I had to like figure out a way to afford a nanny to come in twice a week, every week while I was gone hunting both those days. One of those days was just to help my wife with laundry, help clean, help take the kids. And then the other day was for the nanny to have the kids entirely and kick my wife out of the house, get away from the kids and go do you whatever that is. Uh, that kind of stuff really makes a difference when you're intentional and thinking ahead of time. And I know a lot of people aren't taking September off, but there's, I'm surprised at how much time these, these guys like you are getting, like you guys are figuring out a way. So the nanny thing is real. That's where I learned that hack, bringing my mom down. I'll get to spend some time with her and then I'll get to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with my wife. That'll be awesome. 
the fact that we have two camping trips planned after that, and then a bunch of just get away to our cabin in Idaho when we can. And um, summer will fly by, but I will make darn sure that it's spent with them. And it's, I still got to get my reps in behind the bow. I still got to get some 3D in. I'm still going to get a couple trail cameras out. And I'm going to show up in September 1st, the best shape of the year. I just have 79 days to do it. And I'm going to make it all happen. And that's why I never understand people when they're like, so what should I do for get ready for elk season? It's like, I don't even have enough time in the day to tell you all the things you need to do, but it doesn't involve just shooting your bow and breaking a sweat. That's like, that's like the most basic ABCs. You need to go all the way down the list to Z and that includes taking care of your family. I hear that. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, uh, that's key. And and you mentioned the word being intentional. Um, you know, other people may say, you know, dialed in whatever, but uh, being intentional with what you do and not just like, missing your wife on the mountain and sending her flowers one day out of the however many days you're up there. Like that should be, that's like the little cherry on top. Like you need to have already baked that cake and, and provided that to your wife. It'll definitely go over. I'm sure you've noticed um, a lot easier when you have those things already set up uh, you know, especially with childcare. Cause you know, I, my wife and I, we love being parents. Sounds like you guys enjoy being parents, but there's just some times where you need time away from the kids. <laughs> and so, you know, you being up in the mountains, hunting elk, doing your, living your passion, like you're getting that battery recharge. And, uh, and I, I agree that the spouses definitely need, need that. They're, um, they're kind of the unsung, unsung heroes of us being able to be up in the mountains as much as we are, if they're not there by our side. So, um, I think that's awesome. And I, I appreciate that, you know, again, you, you've reiterated that you don't have it perfect. Again, I don't think anyone does but you've learned so much in the years um, that you've been doing it. That is great advice to share with other people. Kind of going back to where you were saying you were trying to look as good as possible to kind of be your own salesman uh, for, for physical or for personal training. Um, you know, you don't want to go to someone who is overweight to ask them how to lose weight. You don't want to go to a chef that's burning all their food and ask them how to cook. Like you don't want to go that route. Same, same here. You don't want to go speak to a good mentor or to someone who you want to be their mentor, or you want them to be your mentor and they don't have things dialed in at home or they've been divorced three times or, you know, things along those lines. Um, I, I think it's great advice. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, if you had, so you just barely got back from Alaska. Um, how was that? <laughs> it was epic. I mean, the video was awesome. And I'm sure that was only just a glimpse of, you know, what you guys encountered. Um, you had an amazing shot on, on, on your bear, which that was awesome. And congratulations on that. Uh, what, I mean, you, you recommended in the video that people go up to Alaska. Um, why Alaska? Why not other places? Um, and, and, you know, you said you're going to be going up again, I'm sure multiple times. Um, but what, tell me maybe two or three takeaways from Alaska that just for you just kind of did it. It was just amazing. Yeah. So that was my fifth time to Alaska, but it had been 14 years. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like how do you let 14 years go by when such an epic place is so close to me and you, it's really not that far. Um, I've hunted bear, black bears in Alaska on a DIY back when Prince of Wales Island was over the counter. You didn't have to put in just show up and hunt them and 
dude, that was such an epic trip. I did shoot a bear on that trip and I didn't recover it. And so I had that monkey on my back going into this trip. Like as a bow hunter, you never forget, right? You try to have a short memory, but I didn't forget that stuff, man. And uh, we went to a new part of Alaska I'd never been to. Uh, I was really excited about this trip because we were able to take two subscribers from our YouTube channel and let them go absolutely free, like pay for everything. All they got to do is show up and have a good time. And it's a little nerve wracking. Like you don't know who you're going to be living with on a boat that's 50 feet long for five days. Uh, but we couldn't have gotten luckier, man. Two Montana boys that were salt of the earth. So that kind of set the stage for a great trip. But it was actually a fishing and bear hunting trip. Got to be honest, I could care less about fishing. In fact, I was rooting everyone on to catch their limit every day as fast as possible so we could please get back to bear hunting. Um, when I was watching a- the video, I could almost imagine that. Because one, like I get the motion sickness thing. You mentioned that you got motion sick quite a few times. But <laughs> I could, I'm like, man, how did Dan let them fish for so long when he knows right over there is bear heaven? Like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, the reason to answer your question, like why Alaska, why go? I think everyone should do that hunt because it's not expensive. Like you, we hired a charter. Their job is to transport us. They don't guide us. We actually, if I was in, like, I wasn't in charge of our group, but if I was, I would have been like, okay, we'll fish for maybe three hours a day. But as the collective, everybody wanted to limit out. So we fished longer. Um, but ultimately if it was your group, you guys could call the shots and never fish at all. Although I think that would be a mistake. The fishing was world-class. Uh, so they, their job is to just make us food and get us on a skiff and drop us off wherever we tell them to pretty much a DIY hunt, super affordable. And I mean, like probably, oh man, somewhere between three and four K total, and that covers your, especially if you split it up with five to seven guys, like you could really split that up, get a cheap flight, book it way in advance. You know, we rented uh, a U-Haul trailer and uh, rented a car to drive south from Anchorage to Homer, which that four hour drive is the most beautiful stretch of highway in the entire United States. And then we hop on the charter that we rented. We Went through some rough seas. Tim threw up twice. I am throwing him under the bus. I did not, but <laughs> I certainly felt like throwing up. And then um, we finally got over there and finally got to hunt. And um, it's paradise. I mean, I can't even tell you how many bears I saw a day. And it's the only place I've seen where it's just like ocean, a little bit of beach and tidal flats, and then mountains that just shoot up straight up 1500 feet. And they're all snow capped. And when we got there, the bears probably had just come out. Not all of them were out. So I can only imagine what it would be the following week and the following week. And uh, it's pretty epic, man. Like get dropped off and uh, there's 20 hours of daylight. So you burned six of those 20 fishing. You got 14 hours to wear yourself out, go wherever you want, chase any bear. And uh, it's not going to be a lack of opportunity. Uh, I think with a rifle, it's a pretty much a, 100% guarantee you'd shoot a bear. And I think with a bow, um, I think it's more than 50%. I think you're going to get several stocks in and, and that's what it, you need as a bow hunter. And I like the fact that I'm chipping the rust off from a long winter 
and I'm not chipping the rust off in September when, you know, it really matters. I already have all that rust off. I mean, I'm, my broadheads are dialed in my bow. I'm checking the wind. I'm making stocks. I'm testing gear. And uh, it's probably the most beautiful backdrop ever. So that's why I said on the video, y'all got to come do this is because it's not that expensive. You could save up for it and you could pay cash and you could have a, an adventure of a lifetime. And I think Alaska is something that everyone should go experience at least once. Oh, yeah, I agree. That's uh, definitely on my bucket list, at least to go once. I'm, I'm sure I'd going to once I get up there, I'm going to want to go more than once. But that seems a lot more reasonable than I was thinking. I was thinking more like 10K for, you know, being able to go fish as much as y'all did and um, go bear hunt. So that's that seems a lot more doable, the three to four thousand. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, that's that's, you know, and again, the scenery, you know, just if anything, just going out and enjoying the scenery. Um, that was, that was epic. It, it looks like it anyway. And so, um, that, that was really cool. Uh, and, and you know what, just being able to, the, again, the fact that you were giving back to the people that subscribe to your channel, it, it just goes to show just kind of reiterating to why, you know, I was, I was driven to go more towards you, your camp, um, and the message that you're putting out there and why I want more people to hear your messages because, one, you've got experience, you live it. You don't just pretend to do the workouts. You don't just pretend like that would show after time. And, uh, you know, having been following you for over two years now, just seeing how consistent you are and that you live what you preach. Um, it, it just, it blows me away. There's not many people out there that do that, or if there are, they're not sharing it. And I think it's a message that a lot of, especially hunters, um, but people that enjoy being outdoors and maybe their spouse, or maybe they don't have a lot of friends that enjoy it as much as, as, as you do. And I, I can't say that I'm on your level. I love being outdoors. Um, and hopefully in 10 years from now, when, when I've hit that age, uh, I will have had those experiences that similar to what you've had. And I'm looking forward to that because it's just amazing to me, the things that you, the work that you put in, cause it's not luck, but that you've earned. Uh, and, and it just, I mean, I don't really have any other words than that. It's just amazing that, that you're willing to share that with other people. And so I personally appreciate that. I know a lot of people that are drawn to that message as well. And I just try and share it as much as possible because people need to hear it. And I feel like people need to, you know, get outside a little bit more, even if it isn't after elk. Um, just to kind of wrap things up here, I, I wanted to ask if there was, I guess, a, a favorite story that you wanted to tell a favorite elk experience or, um, and maybe, maybe it's bear, but I'm imagining it's elk, a favorite story that you'd like to share, um, from your many years of experience elk hunting or hunting in general. Okay. Well, I don't know, man, pick a year and I'll tell you a story about whatever <laughs> year you pick. I was going to say, I just kind of want to put you on the spot a little bit here. I'm sure you've got plenty of good stories. Um, let's go with, Let's go with pre pre COVID. We'll go 2018. You have something from 2018. 2018, I believe. Let's see, yeah. So 2018, I burned my points in Wyoming. Been saving up for 13 years, and in 2017, I went in with a buddy who the year prior in 16 had hunted. He burned his points and hunted in Wyoming uh, in the Bighorns. 
And there's several units in there, and that's as much information as you guys are getting. But he went to the Bighorns, and my friend is named Ryan, and uh, he is amazing elk hunter. And in 16, he killed, and he would he he's the kind of guy that does measure antlers, like that's that's his thing. He's a definitely like a legit trophy mature animal hunter. He killed um like a 350 bull in the Gila. He drew Gila, New Mexico. And then he drew the Wyoming and he killed a 360 in the snow. It had a huge snowstorm. And then he came back to North Idaho and killed a 330. He had three bulls over a thousand inches. He was one of my first podcast guests and I've known him for years. And we've actually butted heads because we hunt the same spots in North Idaho. And we didn't, we used to be straight up enemies and then kind of frenemies. And now I would consider him a friend and I look up to his ability to elk hunt. So in 17, he talked me into taking half my points to go hunt that same unit in Wyoming. It only took at the time six or seven points. Now I don't even double digit now. So we put in together in 17 and I in 17 was living a very good life. I drew a Nevada elk tag, which is pretty much almost once in a lifetime because you have to wait seven years to draw a tag. I'm sorry. You have to wait seven years to even put in for their crappy odds. And so I'm still in a waiting period. I can't even put in for Nevada. So in 17, I drew Nevada, I drew Wyoming and I had an Idaho elk tag and I was nearing the end of my Nevada hunt when my wife called me and sent me an inreach and said, Hey, I had an accident at home. I'm fine. I'm going to need surgery. Uh, I just wanted you to be aware. And then I couldn't get a hold of her, but my dad got a hold of me and he's like, Dude, I know you got a Nevada elk tag, but here's the deal your wife almost lost every finger with a skill saw accident. She's doing home improvement projects. I warned you. You know, that's what she's into. And, uh, you know, kids are in diapers. She's like, I really don't know how your, your wife's going to be able to even change diapers with one hand. And she's got surgery. Um, you need to get home. And so I went from having the best elk season lined up I've ever had to holy shit. And so I went out the next day and killed a bull out of pure will to kill a bull. I'm like, this is the only day I'm going to have to elk hunt. And then the rest of my season, I'm going to be taking care of my wife. And so I did that. I wheeled out and got a good bull, um, drove home, took care of her. And uh, it was great. You know, like everything worked out. I actually got to elk hunt Idaho the back half of September. Only missed two weeks of September. But hey, man, family comes first. So I tell you that backstory. So Wyoming, I had to like, I wrote them an email and say, I don't know, just shot in the dark. I got this tag. I, I haven't hunted a single day yet. I was planning on coming down there on the fifth. Um, not gonna be able to make it. My wife, I told him the story. If there's any way I can get my points back, I would love you forever. And Wyoming said, yeah, here's your tag. Give us, send us your tag back. We'll give you your points back. So 2018, I turned around and put in for that same unit and drove. So I was headed to Wyoming. And uh, the story on that one was, as you probably are aware, I'm not a resident of Wyoming. Either are you. And Wyoming's got this, 
I don't want to swear on your podcast. I promise I would. Good. <laughs> it's got a shitty rule that says you as a resident cannot hunt wilderness, national forest wilderness, unless you are with a guide or resident guide. You can camp, you can fish, you can hike without a weapon, but as soon as you have a weapon in hand, you're you and you don't have a guide, you're breaking the law. I hate that. I think that's such garbage. But anyways. So I made arrangements with my friend, Manny, who lives in Wyoming. I said, hey, go down to fish and game, fill out the paperwork, get get the resident guide. All it means is that I'm going to be with you at all times. So I roll in opening day, September 1, and I'm in a place where there's no cell phone service. And I'm like, Manny doesn't show up, dude. Like he's not there. Opening day. Well, now I can't, and I'm set up to hunt the wilderness. I'm on the edge of the wilderness. I'm camped off the side and he doesn't show up. So what do you do? You go to the non-wilderness side and you hunt your heart out. Two days goes by, Manny never showed up, dude. And so by day three, I was pretty much like, okay, man, you're not hunting the wilderness. Now I had been in that wilderness the day before the opener and called in like a 346 point, just, just, I probably shouldn't have done that, but I did. And I filmed the whole thing. He had 53 cows and calves and I called him into 40 yards and had him rake a tree right in front of me, broadside, filmed the whole thing. And I'll be honest, man, when I was heading back to my camp, I was like, this is going to be a slam dunk in the wilderness tomorrow morning. Well, I ain't breaking rules. Manny never showed up, but um, on day three, I ended up um, calling in a bull and shooting him. Uh, I think it was a 35 yard shot and there's a bunch more stories in this hunt, but I'll tell you like the, the cool thing about this hunt was I was able to make kind of lemonade out of lemons. I, I was pretty butthurt, not be able to hunt the wilderness because most of the elk were in the wilderness that time of year, but, um, cold calling was actually for whatever reason, the elk were not, there wasn't enough elk and they weren't very vocal in the non-wilderness area. And so I was really frustrated. So I did a lot of cold call setups where you find good elk sign, you get the wind right and you hunker down for 15, 20 minutes and you do sequences. And then you kind of watch your back trail and wait for an elk to sneak in quietly. Well, I literally went to this spot on day two, did my sequence for about 15 minutes and literally a six point snuck in. I saw him and he walked in and he walked in broadside at 20 yards and uh, I don't know how I did it, but I passed him. And so I just filmed him walking broadside, beautiful footage. It was awesome. And then um, exact same tree, exact same time of day. The very next day, I did the same thing. Uh, I made the same sequence call, Jonathan, and I got set up. And then a new bull showed up, didn't bugle, snuck right in, stood there drooling 35 yards, and I pinwheeled them. And uh, that was a pretty cool hunt. You know, Manny did show up when I was packing half the animal out. So he was able to help me get the rest out. And then I was able to help him for a couple of days. Uh, and then um, I did go to Idaho in 2018. And I do. Yeah, I did killed two bulls in Idaho. That was a three bull year. And uh, all that is to say is you name a year. I can tell you every story. This is how like elk hunting is like all these things aren't just like trophies hanging in my rafters or in my wall there. Each one, I have a story to tell memories and um, 
I know them all intricately and I, I love elk hunting, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, uh, I hope to have some experiences like that. And I, I, I love, there's so many things about that story. Um, you know, first off the fact that again, anyone who knows anything about you knows how hard that must've been in 2017 to have those great tags, but also, you know, the husband side of you saying, I need to be home with my wife. Um, I hate getting in reach messages that are so almost not cryptic, but like short <laughs> and you can't mm-hmm. get a hold of them afterwards. You're like, Oh, you're like, I just want to know what's going on. Um, I got one this last year that was like, Oh, we just had a tornado hit our house and we're in Utah. And I was like, what the, like, <laughs> and then she never responded to me for like two or three hours after that. And so, oh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, turned out to be anyway, that that's a story for a different day, but like, I understand that feeling and, 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 but I don't understand having such nice tags, but you turned, you, you pivoted. And again, this is something else that you consistently talk about. I'm sure you were, you are not happy about having burned those points in Wyoming, but you, you know, hell married it and you reached out to them may not happen. Maybe you got someone that had, that wasn't hangry at the office and they right. were nice about it, whatever happened, but the stars aligned and you ended up making it happen. And then the friend not showing up. I mean, that's, human humans in general are just errored like they're, they're just full of errors and so, so you never know what could happen um to another person you're hunting buddy and so the fact that you're able again to pivot there and to turn it into lemonade and to just make it an amazing experience even though you weren't able to hunt where you wanted to hunt um you know it's just it's just awesome it just goes to show like you're driven but you also have that good mindset to where you're not one of those people that's like throwing his crap everywhere and like, Oh, I'm so pissed at Manny or whoever for whatever happened. You just, you took control of the situation and you ran with it. And that's, that's amazing. So, um, dude, I honestly, I, I really appreciate you sharing that story. I appreciate you sharing all the tidbits and, and golden nuggets that you did today. Um, I always love talking to you. I, I love the content that you put out for everyone. Um, the message is just pure, uh, it's driven and it's, it's amazing. I think more people need to need to tune in. Um, and I, I love seeing your channel grow. Uh, I love seeing what Tim and Jake are doing. I know Jake's become the, the cameraman when Tim's not available. Um, and so I, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. I'm excited to one of these days, get up there and go uh, work out with you guys. Heck um, yeah. You know, I think that that'd be pretty sweet, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, I didn't even get into half the things I want to talk about <laughs> arrow setups and all that other stuff. Uh, that'll have to be for a different day, but um, do you want to leave anything with the listeners uh, other than what we've already talked about? Oh man, I don't know your audience, but I would just say like, you know, red beard outdoors, somebody that like, I have your sticker on my um, Nalgene bottle that I use when I'm hunting. Um, I like what you're doing. And I like that, um, you know, you're truly a family man first. Like you got a lot of kiddos, got a wife and, you know, you don't have as much time as I do to hunt, but you're still, doesn't mean you're not just as passionate, if not more. And I think that comes through on your podcast, man. So I think that's really exciting that you're doing what you love to do. And I want your listeners to do what they love to do. Life is very short. Please don't punch a clock and watch the hours go by excited about leaving and like i love my job i work hard i work so hard for myself because 
that's what I have to do. And I want your listeners to have, to lead a life where they're excited to do what they're doing. And if you're not there yet, don't worry. Uh, you're not dead. You can always make a change and you can always work on a side hustle until your side hustle becomes your main hustle. I'm living proof of that. Like Oak Shape has been a side hustle for many, many years and I'm doing it full time right now. Will that last? Lord only knows. But while we're doing it, we're going to give her hell and uh, we're going to encourage others to do the same so that they can be financially free and they can be time chasers, not money chasers. That's awesome. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And on that, we'll, we'll leave it there. And uh, I'll, uh, I don't know if you want to put any plugs up, but um, I'll be leaving links down below to your Instagram, YouTube. Um, is there anywhere else elkshape.com uh, that, you know, you'd like people to go check out? Um, I'm good, man. That's all, all right. great. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan, for coming on. And uh, as you guys always know, and what I say, get out, live your life and love it. All right, guys, great conversation with just an awesome individual. Dan really is salt of the earth. Awesome guy. Go check out his content. Even if you're not necessarily into uh, hunting, I would say uh, you can learn a lot of archery tips from him and his coach, MFJJ. Um, but if you are into hunting at all, and especially with a bow, go check out elkshape.com. I'll leave the links down below. His camps are live and uh, you can get the early bird. No, there's the, I don't know. He's got a couple different sales going on, but right now it's the cheapest you can ever get it. Um, and that's all the way through September 1st. So if you're listening to this after that, um, the prices went up, uh, but there's still a deal going on. So either way from now until September 1st, go check out elkshape.com, get in on one of the camps. I'm hoping to attend multiple camps, but definitely we'll be attending at least one camp this year. Haven't quite decided which one I want to go to based on the locations because they're all just amazing. Um, and other than that, guys, hope you have an awesome rest of your weekend. Spend time with loved ones, of course, and make the most of your time. And as I always say, get out, live your life, and love it.